Memory. Noun. The faculty by which the mind stores and remembers information. Something remembered from the past. A recollection. The part of a computer in which data or program instructions can be stored for retrieval. What's up, everybody? I'm Tanya, and welcome back to our fifth episode of Postscripts. For those of you that aren't aware, Postscripts is Polemical Zine's podcast series, and a new episode comes out with every new issue of the magazine. This time around, we're taking a trip down memory lane. No, quite literally, we're talking all about memories. So I really hope you're ready for nostalgia to kick in. Some that are old and distant, others fresh and vivid like a scene from a movie, some stored away in a box to cherish, others framed on the wall to evoke emotion, some shared, others kept but never the same, some written with blue ink, others captured with a flash, and many painted with a stroke of a brush. Memories are so unique and some would even call it magical. Every moment of the day, we make memories, but only some we hold close with a promise to cherish for a lifetime. Memory is also kind of a funny thing. Some days, I honestly can't remember what I had for breakfast, but at the same time, I can also memorize the lyrics to a whole album. It's really bizarre. Many times we make an entry to remember or cherish a good memory, but we're also quick to want to get rid of bad memories. Much like that, Emilia, an artist and tarot card reader, sent us a picture of her as she was casting a spell to banish bad memories. Hi, Amelia. You sent us a stunning photo of you surrounded by some beautiful candles. So what is it like to take a picture of something that is so intimate? I mean, of course, it's intimate because also like the manifestation, etc. It's something that's quite like personal. But at the same time, you know, whenever you do like spell casting, it's kind of also important, I think, to sort of uh, mediate it to others or like to share it in order also to charge it wow that's very cool i never really thought about it like that that like everybody's energy kind of works along with your spell that's very cool i mean also there are a lot of like kind of internet spells that you can cast uh like by using emojis or so on or like word documents etc and Ooh. they're really based on the idea that you charge them through like sharing to various social media platforms. Wow, this is a whole yeah. new world for me. <laughs> I had no idea that there was such a thing called internet spells. That's that's so cool. Um, and I love that you said that you know when you, you when you cast a spell, you're also manifesting it. I think that's so powerful. So um, I guess let's take it back a little and and talk about you know how did you get into you know doing spell work? When did it really start for you? When I was like fifteen. Oh wow! So that's like. Uh... 12 yeah 12 years ago almost uh which is kind of like crazy because you know like back then everyone thought that I was like a total freak or so or that I was doing like something very very strange and nobody it was like a taboo I would say and I think that like five years ago or four it kind of has become 
very hype again, I would say. Yeah, it's very, it's become very trendy. Now everybody yeah, exactly. about it. Yeah. There was no, like right now, you know, I find it quite crazy that you can just enter Urban Outfitters or H&M or so, and you can just buy tarot decks there, you know? or crystals or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's actually really true. Um, so when you initially started it, what were the initial reactions that you got from people? I mean, I was mostly like reading the cards to other girls who were also like really into learning the future or getting some kind of uh, how-to recipe. In this sphere, it was actually quite positive, I would say. And also, like, most of my knowledge came from, like, very girly magazines, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, like, the kind of uh, teen vogue of that time. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then when I got into the art school, I was also, like, reading the cards a lot in the cafeteria. And then there the things got a bit more strange I would say like I had a lot of like strange and skeptical reactions towards that Uh, but also kind of like this reactions really I don't know like boosted my motivation I would say even more oh that's good (laughs) yeah no 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 they didn't uh, prevent me from stopping or so that's good. That, that you must be really resilient and strong to, you know, get past it. Yeah, because like really, you know, it was something that actually really worked for me and it was really like helping me cope with like unbearable situations or like bad memories or like I don't know, uncertainty. Mhm. Yeah, a lot of people have a lot of anxiety from uncertainty. Um whether, you know, yeah, especially, especially now. Like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, so then would you say that a lot of people now come to you since COVID has started to kind of talk to you about it? Uh, during the first lockdown, actually, yeah, a lot of people. It was quite intense, I have to say. Like everyone wanted guidance and answers. Yeah, I think that word guidance is so um, so different, right? Than, than mm-hmm. I guess what people would initially use words to describe spell work or um, anything that looks into zodiac or or tarot card reading yeah exactly I mean it's mostly about guidance and like the way that I usually do it is that I sort of construct a story or construct like a very specific narrative and then like my client and that I'm doing the reading will kind of like adapt the story to their own understanding or their own like reality or so. It's almost like reading a novel, I would say. Yeah, I was just about to say it's like reading poetry because from a poetry, Mm -hmm. you'll really take away whatever, you know, most relates to you and most reflects to you um, at the Mm -hmm. core. So the image that I send, it's like uh, a candle spell, a candle and at the same time also like a clay ritual because I also work a lot with uh, clay. So what I do is that I uh, sort of make this kind of like ceramic plates or like ceramic uh, surfaces and then I draw on top of them because also for me like drawing is a kind of uh, magical process of like transforming things. Oh wow, I love that. I love I love that you said it that way. That's so cool. I've never thought about painting or art in that um, way, but it truly is. And I think I've said this before, but for me, it's so therapeutic to paint. Oh my God, absolutely, absolutely. The picture that you sent in was, you know, you were doing a spell to banish ultimately bad memories. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, what goes into that process of banishing bad memories? The way that I sort of regain memories or like keep them alive or doing exactly the opposite, hexing them or banishing them is mostly through dreaming. Ooh, how cool. <laughs> so this spell is like the first step to a sort of like dream spell that I did. So these pictures sort of captivate like some moments that I really wanted to banish from my life or like get rid of them. So that was like the first step to captivate them and like trap them in this like sort of ceramic plate. And then I used like candles, like candle magic. So I sort of do, did this as a kind of like meditation process. And then afterwards, in order like to kind of like erase them, I did some research into like herbs that are used for this kind of reasons. And then I sort of dried them and put them underneath my pillow for like three or four days. And also because like I really believe in dream science. <laughs> we actually spoke about dreams in our previous um, podcast. And it was mm -hmm. so cool to see how, you know, memories are so closely related to, to your dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like everything makes sense there, you know? So I think for me also, like when I do this kind of spells, I always take notes whenever I wake up. Oh, of your, like you have a dream journal? Yeah, 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 of course. But I mean, I, I don't do it on a daily basis. I only do it like on special occasions like that. Yeah. So it's like a process then. So it, it takes a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's very cool. So it's not like, you know, what the movies show, you cast a spell with your wand and it's done. <laughs> it's not, it's not a Harry Potter thing. No, no, no. Because like, you know, it's like a whole process, like even like the way that you dispose your like, uh materials after finishing a spell like the wax or so it's also quite important so like would you choose it choose to put it like inside a jar like all the leftovers would you rather bury them somewhere or so oh, okay okay yeah, yeah 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 it always depends so you know it's like a whole process it doesn't like it's not like just a click or something it's not yeah. a magic <laughs> word exactly anyway all you Harry Potter fans out there, looks like casting a spell takes a little bit more work than just saying Vingardium Leviosa and flicking a wand. Much like magic, memories work in mysterious ways. They pop in when you least expect it, and sometimes they cease to exist entirely. Speaking of spell and magic, aren't taking photos a little magical as well? In fact, I'd like to say that taking photos are the oldest and most used form to treasuring a memory. We all have albums somewhere in the house that hold memories from our childhood to adulthood. Chat Chum, an artist from Bangkok, submitted some old Polaroids and photos to this edition of Polemical. So Chat Chum, tell us what inspired you to start taking photos? So it's start from when I was in grad school and there is one night I just have a dream about my grandmother so it, in that time when it, I I was in the state in that time and I called back to my mom and just like um what is 
my grandma looked like. And she sent me a photo and I was just thinking like, and it's just weird that like, um, I really close to her, to my grandma a lot. And she passed away when I was seven. And like, it's just only like 10 years and I really forget what she looked like. And it's just the, from that experience just start me to um, think about this world. It, it is true that when you have dreams about uh, about people that you've been very close with, um, that sometimes you don't you don't remember the faces, um, and that was what really caught me off guard because I was like, there are so many dreams where I know the essence of the person and who it kind of is, but it's kind of mysterious because the face doesn't always show up or is it, or it's just so blurry that you just, you know, don't always remember it. And I think now in this digital age, it's all about the videos and the photos. Everybody has uh, multiple photos either on their phone, um, but it's so digital. I wonder how many people have it like in a physical form. When we, easy to record something is to be destroyed some memory that we have like so right now we're in the digital form and turn out we know that we have something in our phone and that's just helping us to remember something but in the same way because we know about it it just make us feel like yeah we have this memory but in other way we don't have to remember it exactly because when we forget it, we just like pick up our phone and just open it up. And that, that just feel weird because I don't think when with the physical um, photo, I don't think we, we feel something like that because it's still hard to have like one photo pinning out, right? That's very true. And I think there's always like a nostalgic feeling too. Like, I don't know about you, but I have like this huge box in like my storage room in the house where it's just albums. It is um, a different kind of feeling to look through albums, especially as you were growing up. And, you know, some of the things are from like when you were a child and you don't even have memories of them or you can't even remember them. I actually used to take Polaroid photos of like, you know, if I spend time with my friends, as kind of like a token of the memory um and the polaroid photos i take are often of people rather than myself uh because i think it places me from the lens view and then spending that moment with friends if that makes sense somehow is um some photographer always say about um they connected to the people when they was seeing them in the real fighter because it's like it's like a way that people connected to each other and I think to taking a photo and with with especially with the polo is like charming. Yeah. It's not like it's so that you just grab your phone and you take it. It feel a little bit fake somehow for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's possible a lot of that, but for me it's, it feel it feel that way and with the polo is like you have um, the feeling from the chemical and the light. And when it brings it out, you have to wait for like five to 10 minutes. I think that is the thing. It's like for waiting something for, for five to 10 minutes, just only that. It just make that time, that moment to be like super precious. Yeah, I think uh, Polaroids are really cool. And uh, what I like about yours is that um, the pictures of the Polaroids that you submitted, some of them are kind of damaged. Um, yeah. 
it's, it's like okay um so if you take a new photo you're just gonna get like a nice um colorful photo for one for sure but if you keep that photo for 10 years you're gonna have like way old dusty and a little bit damaged from the sun and you know the humid um the, the thing is like somehow when when for me like my experience like when they want to see um my old photo or my family you know old photo for 10 years ago and i grab my that point coming up and look at it it's gonna have like a little bit damage on it and it's just like yeah that is nostalgia that is like a feeling of you know the memory that i'm gonna get yeah and i think that's so true but I, another thing that just popped into my mind was that the act of just taking a photo or a selfie um on your phone is just so normalized but the other thing about the photos that you take on your phone is that it's so easy to manipulate stuff i think in today's digital age with you know instagram and having aesthetically pleasing photos um the amount of manipulation that goes into photos, whether it's just changing the light or adding filters or, you know, um, going into detail as much as changing your complete background, taking out the background and putting a new background. Or um, I know like some people who are bloggers, um, you know, they take photos and usually there's um, a really nice building or a nice like architecture behind them, but there's people walking around them and it's so easy for them to take out those people. But if you were to take a film photo or a Polaroid, you really can't um, edit, I guess, the final product that comes out. Yeah, I, that is a really interesting point. That I think I, I totally agree with you. Um, <laughs> but I have like a really funny story. So, I love about it. <laughs> so the thing, um, so we have Facebook for sure. Um, for like almost ten years. Yeah. And I think like when the Facebook running out. Um, I think it was second years in in undergrad. I think it, 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 I didn't even meet my girlfriend right now yet. After that, on the third year, I met my girlfriend and she, you know, looked at through my Facebook, most of it, and she found one photo. Oh, no. That, <laughs> that is so weird. It's like, um, I'm in Bangkok. It's huge city and I not even like know her yet. And the weird thing is like she, I met her in the next year and she said one of her friend and herself in that photo that I selfie with my, my I, I took it with my, my friend. Oh. Yeah. And when you're talking about like how people edited someone in that photo out, <laughs> what? Yeah. That's and insane. It, wow, that's such a cool story. Yeah, that is, that is, I never think about it before. It's just like, yeah, that is true. Because in that time, you know, think about like 10 years ago. And in that time, you're not, the, the filter and, the, you know, the phone is not this good mm -hmm. to like just pick and remove someone out. <laughs> so I just took it. Okay, okay, I have like some people in my background and I don't care about it. Yes, and I think it's like, okay, that is good because right now people just 
remove everyone allow them out and you're not even gonna know what's gonna happen in the future right it still blows my mind that chat chom had a picture of his girlfriend a whole year before he even met her what a small world memories Although some of them are shared with people, they still seem to translate so differently to everyone. Everyone also seems to take away a completely different meaning from it. We commonly preserve memories through writing, photos, and I would say now more popular than ever even on video. But have you ever thought about having them on a piece of ceramic or vase? I honestly hadn't thought of it until Molly sent in images of some of her ceramics that held personal memories on them. Hi Molly, where did the idea of imprinting art onto ceramics come to you? Uh, I think my obsession with ceramics began... A few years ago, I went to a really influential Grayson Perry exhibition, and um, he's a very diverse artist, and there was a room full of these ceramics and these vases. And each vase just really, they felt to me like these portals into his innermost thoughts. They felt very raw, very authentic. There was just something very poignant about it and wonderful about putting it on a vase. Um, To me, the vase is just this very unremarkable and um, mundane object, something that often gets overlooked. And putting the female voice and opinion on that feels very powerful. And it is quite true that, you know, everybody pretty much has some kind of like um, a ceramic at home, either for decoration or to hold something in it. And it is quite often um, overlooked, if not, you know, admired a lot. Um, I know like a lot of people have like, oh, this is my mom's favorite vase or something. And they usually have flowers in it. And, you know, so I think it's either um, to the extremes of like where it's overlooked or uh, on the other side, it's something that's, that uh, is very sentimental to people as well. Um, But for me, I was like, this is so cool because the photos that you submitted, it seemed so personal and it seemed like it was like a collection of memories that you were kind of storing in this vessel. And so that's kind of what sparked my interest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the vases I I submitted um, were ones that came from a a very personal um, set of memories. So they come from just after... And my parents had split up and they'd moved into different houses. But before that, we'd lived in this beautiful Georgian house um, called Grove House. And it was the most extravagant place we'd ever lived. Um, It was three stories and it had a cellar and it was just beautiful and like a fairy tale. And sadly, um, you know, the, the family wasn't happy and I was fascinated by that sort of retrospectively and and the vase itself is full of photographs it's got um me and my brother when we were younger and other family members it's even got images from the house itself and then embedded with this text and um sort of floral pattern yeah so it's quite confusing 
I think. <laughs> oh, really? I thought it was very, um, cause I know what it, how sentimental the house that you grow up in is, um, especially as a child, because it's a very familiar place to you more than any other place. Um, and this one picture of a set of like chairs and a table, either in your backyard or in the garden or something immediately, uh, it made me think of my childhood home where I lived, you know, with my grandparents and we had this little place outside, uh, like at the back of our house where we used to spend a majority of our time, um, just playing and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it's something that resonates to a lot of people, even though they probably don't have the same kind of memories. Um, just having those pictures definitely kind of jogs your memory in terms of like the places you've been, the familiar feeling that you had gotten, you know, you saying that, you know, pictures of you and your brother, it seems so happy. Like you both are really cheery and smiling in it, but as a contrast, there's like, you know, writing that says, I'm not angry, like right next to it, which is like both of them placed just as a juxtaposition. Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's that there's that divide I think that that almost bittersweet remembering of the past and the obviously the the happy moments and then I think maybe also the vases being made retrospectively I think the vases themselves become that collection of childhood and of memory and they are I guess um what you have is this in the end this very beautiful but sad object. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so cool. I, I honestly have not seen anything like this. I guess I, I wanted to ask, you know, like you sent us two photos, one majority of it is in blue ink and the other one it's, um, you know, there's green ink and there's a bird. I was just wondering, is there a reason why you chose those different colors? Yeah, I've, I've never really used those colors um, in any of my other pieces of work and, um, it was basically um, from the book, The Great Gatsby. And um, they talk about the green light in the distance. And it's like this green light that's a bit of a, I think this kind of symbol of hope maybe. Um, and I found that interesting, that particular line. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, the line from the book um, was stuck in my head at that time. so. Um, I think that sort of helped me pick the um, the palette for that particular vase. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's so bold. It's so unique. Um, and also the shape of the ceramics, they're, they're different. Yeah, so um, the way I pick the ceramics, I, I just use found objects. So um, it's sort of something I might find in a charity shop. And I think part of that for me, it's the charm of um, picking up I guess something that's been used and actually lived another life and has all these memories already. And then you're, you're putting a whole new narrative onto it and a whole new sense of purpose. Um, I, I think for me that they're, they're kind of like this, um, like cathartic release of memory and um, they're almost like a way of processing a, a particular event. So, or, or emotion at that particular time. So it's a way of, um, yeah, I still find as like as an artist, it's you know you, you could choose to talk about anything and yet still talk about themselves and the personal. And I think when we do that, it resonates with people. And I think there is a reason that you know we are also social media obsessed. Um, 
when we share memories and details about our lives it's always interesting in some way yeah and I think the effect of um, sharing um, something that's a memory is also appreciated a lot more Um, what I've noticed from social media especially is you know if you were to put up a picture like throwback Thursday and most of the time the comments are of something they related because I know like a lot of people that I guess are older than me they've put up photos of them from when they were in high school and you know when they had the really thin brows and a lot of people comment (laughs) and say oh my god I can't believe I had these thin brows right or oh my god I can't believe we used to wear this kind of eyeshadow and it's so funny to me because as a little girl back then uh, my mom used to you know do makeup and I used to just admire it I used to be like this is the most beautiful thing but now that I look at those same photos of her I'm like what in the world is this makeup (laughs) you know (laughs) and I think people people really uh, resonate with your with your memories and it's it's so unique but it's something that is universally shared as well yeah absolutely there's always that, that that kind of shared memory and I know what you mean about, you know, when you see your, your parents when you're younger and you think, oh, wow, you're so cool and like stylish. <laughs> I mean, when you're, when you're a kid and then, and then you look back and you think, oh my gosh, like this was a whole, <laughs> like, I like look back at my parents like in the eighties when they're, you know, <laughs> they're in their like teenagers and it's just, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just shocking. There are memories that you think of fondly, and I'm sure there are some that make you cringe pretty hard too. My favorite part of memories is that they evoke emotion. And at a different stage of life, they can also bring up different types of emotions. Although the memory stays the same, the emotion attached to it seems to change as you grow. read a book you visualize it too but you can only visualize a picture based on the memory that you hold that's why a lot of the times when books get turned into movies it's different than what you would have originally imagined Casey, a poet submitted two very deep and vivid poems to polemical as a poet Casey how did you find the right words to translate something so personal yet very beautiful at the same time as a poet in general I think I always like to surprise the reader and use sort of juxtaposition and um, surrealism um, with a lot of my poems that's a running theme Um, and I think in a way that could be almost like not a defense mechanism but that because a lot of my poetry is confessional, adding that surreal, really descriptive, prosaic element to the poem kind of puts it in this realm where it's just outside of reality a little bit. Um, Particularly with um, writing and crafting my heart, it 100% is um, dealing with loss. It was dealing with the loss of a friend. Um, at a young age, which if anybody's experiencing, you know, losing anyone, it's a really heartbreaking time. But the 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 pieces at the end with sort of the insect imagery and the sort of gruesome touches, um, I think specifically when I was writing the poem, I was in the mind of Antonin Artaud. He sort of created this philosophy almost of theatre of cruelty. 
and he said that all writing is filth and that's something that I do like to explore in my poetry a lot of things that people find gruesome or off-putting I think you can find the beauty in and I think that imagery typically um, is used in sort of a horror narrative rather than something that's elegiac or is an ode to a person that's passed away but I also feel like there is beauty within nature and there's beauty within these tiny little microcosms that although it's decay it's still feeding life to another life. I think that's so so interesting and I love the fact that you know you kind of have this understanding from like a different poet and you kind of use that uh, and brought like different creative mm. element to your own uh, style of writing. I think that's so inspiring but I guess you know coming back to the idea of like losing someone that you knew a friend at such a young age and I think that very start of the poem um, you know you kind of address it you're like you know uh, PVA glue um, and thumbprinted blue tack. I think those are like arts and crafts uh, things that you used to do as a kid with this. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the whole poem, is, even though it's not, you know, too lengthy, I kind of feel like, you know, you give a little bit of the person's impression. I think the poem as itself kind of ages mm. um, as it goes on. Okay, that's really interesting. No, I like um, that. Um, but I guess my question to you is, well, most of the time, at least, people try to really cherish the good memories um, that they have with people uh, when they do pass. Um, but I think for, for the poem and, and the way that you've decided to cherish um, their memory in the poem is kind of through the present in the sense that you're kind of talking mm -hmm. to what's happening to, mm -hmm. you know, their body after it's being buried I think with that particular poem that was something that was written on or around the time of the anniversary of the death um, and I think when something is very sudden and unexpected and you're trying to sort of make sense of it although you have these happy memories and you cherish these happy memories I think that confusion and that and that pain and that heartache um, that definitely um, filters through. And then this poem was um, almost like a form of catharsis for me um, because I feel like I need to purge myself of the emotions I'm feeling. And then it's almost sort of crystallized in time and space. And then when you're talking about sort of um, being present, that was at that time I needed to write that to make sense of things and then it was almost like getting that onto paper that was part of the grieving process. With poem it may not be the same emotion like translating to other people but especially when it comes to memory I think there's a huge factor of like you know selective memory um, kind of mm -hmm. taking um, into play um, when you do write um, poems like these, you know, um, how how do you kind of preserve th those memories for yourself and kind of translate it onto paper or into words? It's almost like this strange form of sort of creative inspiration, but I will be a memory, a specific memory, something that I've literally not thought about for years and years and years and years will just randomly pop into my head. Um, and then if I let myself 
sit with that feeling or if should I rephrase that if the feeling stays with me because you know we don't have to have an emotional attachment to our thoughts and to our memories but if one floats in and it makes me feel something that I haven't thought about for a while I do like to unpack that and dissect that so then I will that's when I'll feel that creative inspiration where I'll get that kind of buzzy feeling where I need to just sit down and write something and usually in all honesty something will just pop a, a, a phrase or a word or something will just come to me and I will always start with that um, and then I will just continuously write redraft write redraft until I've got something that's cohesive and then I sort of crystallize it by typing it up on onto the computer and then yeah and then it's and then I feel like I've ejected that memory in a sense I feel like a lot of the time we can have these negative memories but I think and believe that through art and through the purging of that you can rid yourself from the burdens of carrying these negative emotions so you can know that that affected you but moving forward this is the start of of that healing process i think the healing process starts much earlier than you know even having it kind of finished as a product yeah you know definitely since sending it into polemical and sort of re reading it and being in the position of the audience when sort of reading it. Um, I think it definitely is, it feels like it's a part one to another piece. And I do feel like you are right in what you're saying about how, you know, I feel like time has passed since that was written. So it would be interesting to see what the follow-up to that is. And then maybe that would be the full circle moment of the healing process. I think memories are so uh, mysterious in their own way, but they're so peculiar and your senses definitely trigger them. I think you've hit the nail on the head there because it is just all chemicals. It's just all chemical reactions in your brain. And but I do think when it comes to memory, although the mind remembers, so does the body. And I think that's a very important takeaway that that's where memory is the starkest particularly in poetic form, because it is just crystallizing that, that moment, that memory. Much like Casey, I think we can all think back to a time where we've drawn, printed, or even taken photos to commemorate a memory of someone to preserve it for longer. Society has made holding and cherishing memories such an integral part of our lives. We make sure that birthdays and weddings are captured in photos. Every holiday, we write letters where we recall fond memories that we've shared. We scrapbook and save concert tickets so we never forget our wild experiences. We write songs and poems to musically preserve the small moments. And every time we go on vacation, we take a little souvenir as a token of all the adventures and people we met. Hold on to those memories. Hold on to all of them, the good and the bad, and cherish them in your favorite way. <laughs> 
So that brings us to the end of this episode of Postscripts. Thank you for joining me in unraveling the many mysteries of memories. The polemical team and I would love to hear what you thought of this episode. And I'd also like to thank all the contributors who have taken the time to speak to me. You can find all the pieces linked in the description. And if you would like to submit your work for our next issue, where we'll be talking all about future make sure to email us. I'm Tanya and I hope wherever you are, your day is as beautiful as you are. Cheers.